Thanks for listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos and the PCC Multiverse. Check out more great podcasts today on one of these awesome affiliate networks. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. The Tangibound Network. Check it out. Tangiboundnetwork.com. Listen to this show, the latest episode, every time. A proud member of the Gunna Geek Network. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other geeky podcasts over at GunnaGeekNetwork.com and get ready because geekiness begins in 3, 2, 1. On this week's episode, how Red Dead Redemption will shape the future of video games in its second chapter. An update on the Wonder Woman sequel, and what in the galaxy is going on with Star Trek. All this and more as we reach our next stop, the PCC Multiverse. Don't be alarmed. The quasi-shimmering light before you is a trans-dimensional gateway to other worlds, other voices, other thoughts, and other realities. Up feels like down, and down feels like the number seven on a Wednesday morning. Don't worry. That quivering, blood-boiling sensation under your eyebrows is all a part of the charm. Welcome to the PCC Multiverse. And we're back with another episode of the PCC Multiverse. This is Gerald Glasser from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. We truly appreciate everyone listening to all of our programs. And also a big shout out to everyone who voted for us in any of the categories for the upcoming Discover Pods Awards. Hopefully we'll get a nomination, but we'll let you know either which way. We truly appreciate you taking the time and voting. But it wouldn't be a PCC multiverse without my good friend. He is the reigning emperor of Humanica Media. you got to check out what's going on today at HumanicaMedia.com, Humanica Media on Facebook, YouTube, and so much more. It is my good friend. It is Josh Peterson. What's up, man? You got uh, ancient times with that emperor call out. That's right. That's right. I just like see you over all the other humanikins, just like above them all, just reaching out and saying, "I am the man." Humanikins, they aren't alive, so that that's good. They don't. They can't back talk me. You know, I can just fill a room with humanikins. There you go. Obey me, humanikins. Obey. But it is going to be a great show we have for everyone out there today. We've got, oh my gosh, you, you better be prepared and already eat before this segment coming up because Ben Arno from the Smoking Hot Confessions podcast is back. And he's back better than ever with some great shellfish ideas for you out there, both in the shrimp category and kind of like in the lobster category. So if you're a big fan of shellfish cooking it out over on the grill Ben has got some great ideas for you, but my goodness, it makes you hungry each and every time we listen to him. Be prepared. Warning you out there. But also as well, we've got Rob McCallum from Rob McCallum Films. He's going to be stopping by in the middle of the Cosmic Crossfire, talking about a lot of good stuff when it comes to pop culture. And on the back end, we've got Josh and I talking about not only a delay in the Wonder Woman sequel, but also what's going on with all this stuff that in the Star Trek universe, the success of Star Trek Discovery has brought out all these other projects to the Star Trek universe. Is it too much? Are they forgetting about past history as far as 
not only what they did previously with so many Star Trek iterations, but also maybe taking a page too much out of the DC universe. We're going to discuss that a whole lot more later on in the episode as well. But first, my friend, it's here. It is the first weekend that's out for Red Dead Redemption 2, the very highly anticipated sequel to the big hit game from earlier this decade, Red Dead Redemption, and also the next game after the mega, 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 mega hit, Grand Theft Auto V for Rockstar and 2K. Your thoughts initially on what's going on with Red Dead Redemption 2. I know you've gotten to see some footage already. It's out there. To me, it looks really authentic, realistic, very good. A lot of little niches and differences and attentions to detail that only Rockstar seems to come up with. Your thoughts on Red Dead Redemption 2 now that it's hit the streets. I am, I'll be honest, man. Like I... I do want to play it, but I'm not rushing out to play it. What I've seen so far is cool. I love the attention to the environments and the the colors that they use and the the way the uh, everything feels so real, including like the the weather and the lightning storms and things like that, and the uh, the guns, all the everything in it is 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 beautiful. And they, they are all, they almost have an obsessive attention to detail in this game. I know a lot of people are waiting for the multiplayer, but it honestly feels like because someone was saying like the campaign goes like 160 hours so i feel like there's enough in this game to tide you over until multiplayer comes out if not longer than that the main story the main campaign goes about what 50 to 70 hours people are estimating but then there's so much to do after that so much to collect so much to, to explore and and see and do that you're right the 160 hour tally seems to be something that is probably somebody could really do and and take their time on and complete for all those well i guess those completionists out there yeah because a lot of people it sounds like this might be the only game that they buy this holiday season and if they're one of those people this is definitely a good game for you but you know whereas someone like like me like i have this whole back catalog of games i'm going through just finished team raider i'm on assassin's creed it might not i'm afraid of how vast it is and how obsessive i am when it comes to completing games almost 100% that I'm almost afraid of what this game is going to do when I finally sit down and play it. However, I have heard so much about this game from so many podcasts and so many news outlets that I don't feel like I need to rush out to play it because I feel like I know enough about it and have kind of played it spiritually, I guess. So I, I don't know, man. I'm I'm curious to see. I know everyone's given it great reviews, but I'm I want to see what the average gamer thinks of it. Is it everything that they thought it would be and more, or has it been just as glorified Western that doesn't deliver what players want as opposed to what critics want? I'm really curious to see what that comes back looking like. I know the Metacritic rating right now for PS4 and Xbox One seems to be around the 97, 98 mark. So obviously it's getting those high scores, which like previously with Grand Theft Auto V from Rockstar seems to be another great game in their arsenal. I know people are really liking the fact that it's such a different change of pace from the actual GTA 5 where it's fast paced. You got to go ahead, do this, take care of that, and all those things that you had to do when it comes to GTA 5 before you even got into the expansive and just mind-bending online experience that's out there that GTA 5 has come to know with gamers that they've really just truly appreciated 
that they've taken so much great attention to detail and that they've just keep on giving it love and support over the past, what, over five years now, seemingly. And it looks like they're going to do the same thing again with Red Dead Redemption 2. It just looks like it's an outstanding game. Cannot wait for the multiplayer myself and the online for it. But the nice change of pace, getting back to what I was talking about, is because of the fact it is set around the turn of the 20th century, around 1899, 1900. And it just gives you a different beat, a different path where you know, you're know you on your horse, you just go through town to town, you go through the countryside, you can go through different areas and different facets of the world that Rockstar has created for you, which is completely different from the fast-paced modern society we have now. It, just, it is a stark contrast, but it is a good contrast for those looking to delve deep into a new type of game for them that they haven't played since well, Red Dead Redemption came out almost, I believe, seven, uh, eight years ago. So we're talking about a true experience, complete experience here, at least when it comes to the single-player campaign that both you and I have been talking about for quite some time. Looks to be an awesome open-world adventure so far. And, of course, when the multiplayer component gets added on, it's just going to be another layer on the cake that makes it so much even sweeter than what we've already been given when it comes to Red Dead Redemption 2. Real quick, let me ask you two questions. One, do you think they're going to open this game up to the modding community in the same way that Grand Theft Auto V has been? And two, do you think that's just going to sell anywhere near as many copies as Grand Theft Auto V, which is still the most lucrative video game that has ever been made? Probably dollar-wise it has to be because it is closing in on 100 million sold. And even if there's something that has sold anywhere near it as far as a software title, it doesn't matter. At the price that even still today you have to buy GTA V, it's just garnered so much money over the course of the years that, yes, you're right, it has to be considered the most lucrative game of all time in the video game marketplace. When it comes to what you're saying as far as the modding community, if they do not follow the same things that they did so well with the GTA 5 community, they will not get anywhere near the support with Red Dead Redemption 2. And that would be a shame because I fully expect their online experience, they took everything and all the knowledge that they've taken from GTA 5, and they're going to be able to put it into, in many ways, shape, or form, all that experience into Red Dead Redemption 2's online component when it comes out and if they're not going to embrace the modern community which as you and i both know is a very cool component that has been added on to the gta 5 experience then they're really going to be missing out and i i just don't see that happening i think they will be smart enough to go ahead and open themselves to the modern community because you can create so many more adventures so many more fun components that People can go ahead and explore and will stay in tune with your game and will allow you to go ahead and sell more DLC. Anything else that you want to add on to it that people would just be clamoring for as opposed to go back to play Fortnite, Call of Duty Black Ops 4, or any of the other games that are out there, they will stay with Red Dead Redemption 2 as long as you provide something that will keep the community happy and obviously having mods is a key component of that. So I definitely see that happening. Real quick, while we're on the topic of video games, do you see Red Dead being 
a game of the year contender above God of War and Assassin's Creed Odyssey as people are hyping it up? Well, I definitely see about Assassin's Creed Odyssey because the scores right now far surpass Assassin's Creed Odyssey, far surpass Call of Duty Black Ops 4. The only thing that can approach those scores is God of War, which has a similar type of rating through Metacritic and, and throughout the, all the other aggregate score sites and through all the review scores out there. The only thing that can compare to it is God of War. So right now you're basing the God of War campaign and the Red Dead Redemption 2 single-player experience. It's going to be your choice, Coke or Pepsi, on that one, my friend. I think those two, it's going to be one and two. And I think fans of the purest form are probably going to rally behind the God of War just because of the fact that they see maybe that story as a more self-contained narrative which might be more cohesive, which might be more appealing than a Red Dead Redemption 2, which is, like I said, a little bit slower paced than the the average video game, but still nonetheless breathtaking in its detail, in its attention to all the surroundings and everything that's there within the the confines of the story and its own narrative. So I think it's going to be, like I said, a Coke and a Pepsi type deal where you're trying to choose between one great thing or the other. And And really, you can't go wrong either way. But I I do expect it to be a neck-and-neck race between those two entities. I don't think anything else, Fallout 76, the next Battlefield, I don't think anything else will be able to compete with either of those two games. Yeah, I feel like uh, God of War, as far as a narrative goes, it it packs a more emotional punch, whereas... You know, Red Dead is your, it's a Western game. You know what you're getting out of it, but the game itself. Well, that depends if how close it will be to the original Red Dead Redemption because that definitely had an emotional punch like few other games this decade has, excluding God of War, which you said really has its own emotional punch as well. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess I, I really got to get in there and dig into Red Dead because like God of War for me had a good narrative, had a great soundtrack. It was a very emotional game, whereas like Red Dead, even the original one, like it was fun, but it, it didn't like have all the elements that I would check off of a game that really captures me. We're going to have a little disagreement, my friend, because it did capture me. I played it all the way through, and John Marston's Tale I truly thought was an outstanding adventure, especially the fact that it's kind of hard because it wasn't a linear type of thing. You can actually could go off at any point in time in an open world, and I think that sometimes is a little bit of a disadvantage when you have all this other stuff you have to pay attention to, plus still try to provide a narrative. And that, The Witcher 3, Skyrim, the Fallout series, anything else that's out there that have not only a campaign that you have to go ahead and try from A to Z to follow, but gives you all these other distractions in this vast open world that they're trying to create as well. I think that makes it a little bit harder for them. And I think it's a little bit of a disadvantage. So if you have anything that's closing in on, let's say a linear, um, you know, if you compare apples to oranges, you could say like, for instance, at that time, Uncharted 3 to Red Dead Redemption, Uncharted 3 was just a straightforward narrative. It is one of the best narratives I've ever gone through, if not the best, but Red Dead Redemption was awesome in its own right, but it also had the hard task of trying to build an open world narrative as well. Oh, that's true. When there's so many things to do it. Yeah. Cause to me, like good side quests tie into the main storyline. So that's what I'm hoping to get out of Red Dead 2. Right now, like 
I'm playing Assassin's Creed Odyssey, and I've, I'm really like, this is the first time I've actually cared about a protagonist in Assassin's Creed, which is weird. We'll talk about Are that. Are you playing the male or the female? I'm playing the male. Okay, because I heard the females actually voiced and, and thought of better and constructed better than the male. I think that's pretty much the consensus that I've heard all the way around. Well, dude, what's funny about this is because the male's voice bothers me because he is the the Russian teddy bear from, from Maze, the, the corn maze game and i always laugh whenever i hear him talk because he says the weirdest things and then i i just think about him saying oh stupid <laughs> but we'll probably talk about this on a later show but it's a fun game the only thing i my big complaint about it is that the like a lot of the side quests don't tie into the main story and that's like that's the kind of thing that i i love in big games like that big open world games so i'm hoping red dead delivers in that like the first one did but we'll have to see, man. I'm gonna. I got a few, couple more games to play through before I get to it. I want to ask you: with Red Dead Redemption Two now available in stores, do you see something that's going to be such a mega hit that at least, if not going to win the year 2018, could also win 2019 as well? Uh, I don't know because I feel like their next year's got a pretty big slate of games coming out. You got Ghost of Tsushima, Last of Us Part Two, Days Gone. There's a pretty big slate, and I imagine we'll be seeing a Halo next year and a Gears of War. I don't see it winning next year, but I see it being one of those games that does slowly sell more and more copies until before you know it, once these other games have gone stagnant, it's still selling enough copies to maybe get it up to Grand Theft Auto status. I don't want to say it's going to outsell Grand Theft Auto Five, but if it's as good as everyone says it is, and they keep adding content on, and they open it up to the modding community, it could be a game that really leaves a lasting impression on the industry for years to come to me it's just a very good time to be a gamer out there because with red dead redemption 2 hitting and the online component soon to follow it is right now one of the highest rated games ever and i don't expect anything less from rockstar especially after gta 5 what are your thoughts on red dead redemption 2 have you got it in your hands already speaking of which have you already bought it? Are you already playing it? Are you already loving it? Or is it not what you thought it would be? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, popculturecosmos, Humanica Media, and GameSource on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram as well. Coming up right after the break, we've got Ben Arnault from the Smoking Hot Confessions podcast. After that, we've got Rob McCallum in the middle of the Cosmic Crossfire coming up as well. And then on the back end, Star Trek and Wonder Woman. We'll be talking about that and a whole lot more. This is the PCC Multiverse. Looking for an edge the next time you take on your favorite video game? Then check out Vitabrace High Performance Gamer Wristbands. Packed with the power of fruit seed oil, Vitabrace is clinically proven to help improve performance, giving you a better gaming experience. Head to MiracleFruitOil.com and use the promo code MEDIA10 to get $10 off your Vitabrace purchase. Whether you're looking to beat the time on your latest speedrun or are fighting your way to the top on your favorite multiplayer or battle royale, Vitabrace can help you reach your gaming goals. Buy Vitabrace today at MiracleFruitOil.com. That's MiracleFruitOil.com. Vitabrace. Win with it. And we're back with the program. I hope you have eaten before this next segment because I just want to warn you because there's going to be a lot of great food talk coming up because 
he is back with a vengeance one of the most celebrated grilling podcasts out there we are just so grateful to have him on each and every time he is the master of the barbecue coming from all the way down in that beautiful country known as australia it is the host of the smoking hot confessions podcast you got to check it out today either on smokinghotconfessions.com already a couple great seasons in the book got to check it out today on libsyn apple Podcasts, spotify and so many other different podcast outlets it is my good friend and i did eat before this podcast it is ben arnaud what's going on man Oh, you know, mate, bit of this, bit of that. Having a bit of a day inside today because it's absolutely bucketing down rain outside, which is um, it's pretty rare for the Gold Coast. We average over 300 days of sunshine a year, which is very nice. So uh, there'll be no long walks along the beach for me today, but uh, I'm, I'll still be getting by. Just behind Vegas on that 300 days a year thing, because I think we're about 364 and a half. So <laughs> first off, Discover Pods Awards. If you get a chance, nominate Smoking Hot Confessions. Outstanding show, and I'd highly recommend them. And if you get a chance, maybe you can sneak in maybe one of ours as well. You know, Pop Culture Cosmos, put it in there, please, if possible. But definitely Smoking Hot Confessions. The link is available on all of our social media outlets. But you also had a great nomination as well with the 2018 Podcast Awards. My friend, I, I'm sorry you didn't win. I think the voting was rigged, but I will tell you what, my friend, next year you're going to go and get it. And well, it just for us, it just at the Pop Culture Cosmos, just wasn't quite our year with the 2018 Podcast Awards. Yeah, what happened with that? Well, isn't that the one you need a $10 fee to go ahead and enter? Um, I don't remember, to be honest. There's uh, I've, I've been in about um, four or five of them so far this year, so I'd I lose a bit of track of um, which one's which, but to be honest, yeah, there are some out there that you do have to pay a fee to be uh, to be nominatable. And I got to tell you is I'm on a podcaster's budget. That's all I can say. <laughs> but I will save my money up for next year because so you never know. You and I will be standing side by side together, raising our both our awards in victory come the 2019 Podcast Awards. How about that? How about that? That's a deal, mate. That's a deal. I'll absolutely be there. Okay. Sounds good. Sounds good indeed. But what sounds even better is your awesome array of ideas for anyone out there, not just grilling, but great food ideas. And you can get a lot of them today at smokinghotconfessions.com. You check it out. Again, please eat before you do so, or you will get real hungry. That is a guarantee right there for you. And one of the things I first wanted to talk about is something that we haven't really touched upon too much in our previous conversations, but I do have a soft, warm spot in my heart for it, and that is shellfish. Be it crab, be it lobster, be it shrimp. Succulent, delicious. Mm, I can already smell it already. Really good. But I know you are the master of grilling, and when it comes to shellfish, I know you've probably dabbled in that, even though you've won awards with chicken, beef, and pork. I know every now and then, shellfish has really got a flavor down there with your grill absolutely mate and look i'm a little bit spoiled where i am here on the gold coast i'm i live four blocks off the water we've got fresh fish markets right at the end of the street the trawlers come in each night you buy it fresh we get all the fresh prawns we can possibly handle every single day of the week up here so if you want to talk shellfish i'm your man oh my goodness oh my goodness indeed lucky you and 
Well, the only beach that's around us here in Vegas is one that's close to something that's generated by a casino, but we won't go there. So what are some great ideas you have when it comes to shellfish? I know a lot of people just go ahead, they slap some butter on it and then call it a day. But I know there's so much more you can do with any type of shellfish that's out there, something that interests you, maybe off the beaten path or something more traditional that you like. Just please, I'd love to hear more about what kind of shellfish actually does real well with your grill. Ooh, well, I got two ideas that I wanted to talk to you about. So last time I was on the show, we were talking about kebabs. And when you told me that you want to talk about shellfish, I was like, ooh, I got something that's going to make you happy there. Oh, so no. here it comes. Here it comes. One thing that I love to do is to get a stainless steel kebab stick, and I'll start by putting on the very end of a strip of bacon, and then I'll put on a, a chunk of pineapple, and I'll grab a shrimp, and I'll put the shrimp on after the pineapple, and then loop the bacon back around onto the kebab, and then start it again so that the piece of bacon kind of snakes in an S shape backwards and forwards, up and down the kebab stick and over the pineapple and the shrimp. And then I'll mix up a little bit of a glaze based on maple syrup. As I'll be grilling them on a low heat, I'll just be basting them gently with some of that maple syrup. So you get the maple, bacon, pineapple, all the flavors kind of combining. And as it grills, it oozes down over the uh, over the shrimp and caramelizes the shrimp in a kind of a sweet, sour, bacon just sort of delicious glaze. And that's something that's really quick, really easy. Only takes a couple of minutes to prepare and a couple of minutes to cook. It's got everything. You're just a very cruel man. I don't know why I keep bringing you back. You're just a very cruel man. You're just so hard on me. I tell you what, each and every time, I don't know why I punish myself with all these great grilling ideas. Oh my gosh, my mouth is watering. And I ate before we talked, which is just even the worst part about it because (laughs) these, these ideas that you always have just... They get better and better. And I'll tell you what, it's great for the taste buds on that one. It might be a little bad for the cholesterol. (laughs) Oh, come on. We all love some big strips of bacon. Oh, that we do. That we do. Oh, my gosh. And with shrimp and maybe, oh, oh, oh. Well, tell you what, before I go ahead and fantasize even more about what you just were talking about, please, you had another idea that you were talking about when it comes to shellfish, whether it's crab, lobster, or something else that you think might work out well for people the next time they go ahead and head to the grill i'm not too sure just how available this will be for you in vegas but we've got something here called morton bay bugs they're a cousin of the lobster but they're a little bit smaller they're not nearly as expensive but they are like 700 times uglier than a lobster but they are just every little bit as delicious and so they are one of my favorite pieces of shellfish to put on the grill and they're so easy to do What I like to do is I like to cut them in half, like straight down the middle. That will then let you stand the shells up in between the grill lines on your your grill. And what that lets you do then is as they're slowly, slowly cooking on the grill, because you're going to want to do it in an indirect heat, so the heat off to one side and what you're cooking on the other side. And as they're slowly cooking, it allows you to very slowly, very gradually just sort of baste a little bit of garlic butter on that exposed meat as it's cooking in its own shell and in its own juices. And so because you've left it in the shell and you stand the shell on its end so that the exposed cut is facing upright, it basically creates like a bowl. And so the meat of the shellfish, the garlic and butter sauce, it all stays trapped inside that shell as it's cooking in the uh, the barbecue. And if you really wanted to, you could throw on a few little wood chips or a 
get a smoker box with some pellets in it, put that above the heat, and that'll draw some smoke across that as well. And so you get this lovely little hint of smoke with some rich garlic butter on some really delicious, juicy shellfish meat that's been cooked in its own shell. So it keeps all those natural flavors in there as well. And again, super quick, super easy, and super delicious. And I will even actually, uh, on the hot plate while that's cooking, I'll mix up a little bit of broccoli with lime and some fresh diced chilies and just sort of basically stir fry that on the hot plate almost. And then I'll quickly grill some corn, throw some little button mushrooms on there as well. And you've got your meat and three sides all cooked on the grill, all in a matter of minutes. And because it's shellfish, it's healthy for you. You've got some veggies in there as well. So you're going to keep the missus happy. You're going to keep everybody happy. Your doctor's going to love you. And you still get to have delicious barbecue. So that is just winning all around. But you need to remind everyone out there that you cannot have a direct heat. The lobsters or the bugs cannot be on the direct heat. Is that correct? You can do that if you want to. It will cook a little more quickly. But sometimes that isn't always the best thing. No, not always. No, no, no. So things like, you know, if if you go to a barbecue festival and, and you start seeing brisket and pulled pork and all that sort of stuff, that is cooked in indirect heat. So the the meat and the heat source are not one above the other as they are in grilling. And so what that lets you do is it, it lets the meat cook more slowly, which means it will retain a lot of its natural juices. And it also lets you add that smoke element that I was talking about, the chips or the pellets in a, in a smoker box. And it lets you add that smokiness to it as well, which is what we all love. Once again, it is Ben Arnaud from the Smoking Hot Confessions podcast. You got to listen hopefully with a full stomach, again, to his awesome podcast each and every time a new episode goes on the air, and that is available at Libsyn, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and a ton of different podcast outlets. And for great recipe ideas and also ideas and updates on the barbecue grilling scene in Australia and so much more, great interviews and a ton of other stuff, check out smokinghotconfessions.com today. My friend, I normally tell people after I interview them, when the lights go off, I tell them that their pain is over. But for me, the hunger pains are just beginning because I tell you what, after listening to you have these great food ideas, it just, I think I'm going to have to go and hit the supermarket after all. Sounds good, mate. Sounds good. Don't forget the bacon. Oh my gosh. You know, that's the first (laughs) thing I'm shooting for. That's the first thing I'm shooting for. My friend, it's always great to have you on the show. I cannot wait to get you back on here for more great grilling ideas, more great cooking ideas. And again, it's just so great to have you a part of the pop culture cosmos. Mm, Nothing's better when grilling your favorite meal than adding some delicious wheelie Q rubs, seasonings, and gluten-free barbecue sauce. Made with the finest ingredients, Wheelie Q products pack a ton of flavor to your meals, whether it's ribs, chicken, steak, hamburgers, fries, or vegetables. To get your hands on some of these tasty Wheelie Q items, head on over to www.wheelieq.com and a portion of all profits made will go into finding a cure for spinal muscular atrophy. PCC Multiverse listeners, act now and get 15% off your order today just by entering the promo code POD2. That's P-O-D and the number 2 at checkout. For the tastiest food on the grill, nothing's better than Wheelie Q items today at wheelieq.com. 
And we're back with another edition of the Cosmic Crossfire. It's Gerald coming right back at you here. But it wouldn't be a Cosmic Crossfire without my good friend. He is the man who does it all when it comes to Rob McCallum Films. You got to check out everything that's going on when it comes to all of his projects, all of his side stuff, all of his great movies and documentaries, including Box Art, the docuseries coming up. Power of Grayskull, the definitive history of He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. That is available now on Netflix. Of course, there's Missing Mom, the Kitty documentary, Nintendo Quest, which you can always get on Amazon, and so much more. It is my good friend. It is the namesake himself. It is Rob McCallum. But Rob, we're here to talk about pop culture, my friend. So pray tell, Rob, what's on your mind when it comes to pop culture? Lilo and Stitch is a live-action movie coming. It's the latest Disney animated to live-action feature film. And at first, on the surface, this felt like a really odd choice to me. But then when I thought about it, you know, kids, aliens, this is a pretty obvious choice given the history of that kind of buddy comedy setup. And knowing what happens in that film, I think it probably works pretty well. But of course, it all it, it got the wheels turning in, in Rob McCallum's head here. What would be maybe the worst Disney animation property to become a live action film, do you think? The worst? I mean, there's so many that, that are being turned in. Of course, we already have Beauty and the Beast, and Cinderella, Mulan is in the works, Aladdin's in the works, Lion King is also in the works, Jungle Book, Dumbo, of course. But, like, pick one that would be bad. We've seen 101 Dalmatians, of course, already. Uh, Hercules, I think, because that's been done to death. Atlantis, I think that's also one. I think Atlantis uh, could be fun. That's being done in December by DC. So you're seeing enough Atlantis. That's already. not Atlantis. That's not the same story. Sure, you have the city or the continent or the world of Atlantis, but that's not the Disney movie <laughs> come to life, live action. What do you work for WB now? You're just going to start promoting their film suddenly on the show? We're usually you're throwing them a bone. We're, we're I see usually picking on them for some yeah. reason at DC. This is usually boils down to a DC argument. Or actually, an agree, almost like a, a full agreement for both of us when it comes to the direction of DC films. But I kind of like that Aquaman trailer, the extended one that just came out during New York Comic Con. But that's just me. That's just me. But getting back to what you were saying in regards to the Disney animated features, Steamboat Willie? I think I that know. could work. I mean, because we don't see too many Mickey Mouse feature film, I think that would do quite well at the box office. Well, then now you've got me reaching, man. So I guess I'm going to go ahead and have to defer to your brilliance when it comes to pop culture because you seem to be just scratching everything off my list so what would be the worst option for you and let me go ahead and see if i can poke holes in it but maybe i actually might agree with you which is not a good thing for the cosmic cross well given that we are in the thanksgiving season i think pocahontas might be the worst choice present day for disney to turn into a live action film is that just because of political correctness i think that's part of it i think it's one of the weakest animated films that they have i think even the songs that they used in the film from 1995 is lackluster by comparison to some of the other films that came out in that same post katzenberg era you know you mentioned hercules i think it you know at least with hercules you have a superman like story there that people can gravitate towards to on a superhero level Pocahontas is just Disney whitewashing at its at its ultimate. And that's what I was going to say. I mean, even if you got a Native American actress in that role and maybe to try and educate audiences better on on our Native American society, you would you would still say that's probably not a move you would make. Probably not a move I would make. 
I, you know, I looked through their whole catalog, you know, I thought maybe the aristocrats because it's, you know, a lesser known title from the seventies, but even still it has its fans. I thought about, okay, well, what if they just did their Robin hood and had like live action animals in the same way that we saw in the jungle book. And even though Robin hood has been done a million times and a new one is coming out, I think that would still have enough charm if they did their version of the story. What about lady Uh, and the tramp? I think that would probably do really well. It's the classic title. I think a lot of people like it, and I think you could you have that romance back and forth. That would be a really great date movie for uh, adults, kind of kind of thing. Emperor's New Groove might be another one that I could suggest, but again, I think it's fun, and because you have that funny kind of you know a careful what you wish for, fish out of water aspect to it, I think there could be some some fun play with that. So. 101 Dalmatians. Now, I was not impressed with the live-action version of that. That came out a while ago, so we'll give them maybe a little bit of leeway because it is so old And when they did their version. Maybe it could be better nowadays. I don't like that story. I think Cruella de Vil is maybe a great villain, but I don't think it's great. I think a live-action Bambi would be brutal, but I think if I was going to rank them, it would go Bambi, Pocahontas, and then the worst Disney animation adaptation to live-action, Fantasia. I agree with you on that. Uh, that's going to be hard to replicate in a live action format. Even if it's live action CG, to me, it would be very hard to replicate that aura, that whole experience on screen. I I enjoy the Fantasia experience on the largest screen possible because that is just a truly awesome. Even to this day, it hasn't aged very much at all. It's actually aged very well over the years, in my opinion. I still think it's an experience that a lot of kids, a lot of younger audiences, a lot of older audiences. Who, who I don't get me started on Fantasia or Fantasia 2000. Okay, I don't. Tell, I'm not, not talking about Fantasia 2000. I'm just talking about Fantasia the original. I think would be a good. It's movie. it's fantastic animation. There's a very interesting story behind the production of it all, but it is more of an art film than it is a kids film by far. This is all about animation, color, technique, interplay with music. It is not a film I, I enjoy. It's not a film that I would ever put on and, and chill out and relax. You describe it best when you say it's an experience. People might enjoy that experience should they be on some mind-altering substances and they may get better kick out of it. I would never take my kids or sit them down to watch Fantasia. Okay, so that is your number one choice. Then. It is my number one choice by far for Worst possible animation adaptation into a live action feature by the Walt Disney Picture Company. Okay, fair enough. I would have thought Winnie the Pooh would have been high up there as well, but they well, we've seen Christopher there. Robin, right? Like, I mean, that did well, and so that's essentially a live action Winnie the Pooh. Actually, it did not do so well. It, it did well, and it will continue to do well because every Disney movie, even if it doesn't do incredibly well at the box office, does very, very well on home video that's where disney makes their money and you will see this film has legs because there is six winnie the pooh movies and none of them have done well at the at the box office but they continue to make them because it is a recognizable brand and franchise well christopher robin didn't do well on screens unfortunately i keep trying to tell you that but you're right it will probably do well it'll probably find a new life in home video and the disney streaming service as well Yes, the Disney streaming service. You got to remember, Gerald, the theatrical release for ninety percent of films out there is nothing but a marketing campaign for the home release. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. I, I think when you look at it that way, I think that that's right. But it's always nice when they get their money back when it hits the screens. Well, I'm glad that you agree that I'm right, and we can just end it on there and move along. For once, 
If you have any questions for Rob or me or any comments, hopefully you keep them nice. Please let us know, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com, or you can send us nice things or respectful things to us at Pop Culture Cosmos, Humanica Media, Game Source, and Rob McCallum Films on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And at Twitter, Rob is at Rob McZob. And of course, we're also Pop Culture Cosmos, like I said, on Twitter as well. So, Rob, it's been a great time talking to you as always. We finally got to disagree on a couple things out there. Still stay in agreement on a little bit too much for my flavor, but hey, we'll do better next time and try to disagree a little bit more here in the Cosmic Crossfire. Oh, excellent. Until then, my friend. Until then, it's always great talking to you and always having you a part of the Cosmic Crossfire right here on the Pop Culture Cosmos. Get ready for Box Art, a gaming docuseries from Pyre Productions and Rob McCallum Films. If you love video games, chances are there's a box cover or cover image that you love and has stuck with you for decades. In our series, Box Art, we travel across North America to visit with the unknown illustrators and artists responsible for creating the most iconic gaming images of all time. What was once scheduled to be a 90-minute documentary is now a six-episode season packed with unbelievable tales that paint a picture of the gaming industry you've never imagined. Just one of the many pop culture projects from Rob McCallum, Empire Productions. And we're back with the PCC Multiverse. It's Gerald and Josh coming right back at you here. Don't forget, if you need a listing of where we're playing, because we're on 16 different awesome radio stations, and we get played seven days a week all over the world, just check it out today on our Facebook page on Pop Culture Cosmos or Game Source. You will also see a listing of just some of our over 30 different podcast networks right there as well. Just check it out, and you'll never miss a show or Never miss the extra content we got that goes straight to our podcast networks like Cosmic Crossfire, Fantasy Football Pater Podcast with Tyler Baker, the PCC Gamescast, the Game Source Podcast. We just had a recent special two hours on an NBA preview. Check that out. Anthony Barbarin was awesome as usual. So much more that we provide as extra content straight to our podcast channels. You got to check it out today and you need a listing. It's right on our Pop Culture Cosmos Facebook and Game Source Facebook page. Josh, I know you got a great thing going on with the Humanic Media. So, man, just let me just take it all in. What's going on with Humanic Media? Oh, wow. So, I'm actually super late on posting a new Topic Ocalypse. So, just bask in that for a while. I'm going to put up a new Topic Ocalypse after we finish talking. So, pay attention for that. It's about The Witcher. Uh, Big Dog wanted to know. How we feel about Henry Cavill uh, taking on the role of Geralt of Rivia. We talk about that and what's going on with the DC stuff, at least what we think is going on, and other great stuff. So definitely be on the lookout for that. And then also don't forget, you can catch Attack of the Humanicans with Topagocalypse every Tuesday, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific, on the Podcast Radio Network. Josh, I'll tell you what right now, speaking of DC, my friend... Wonder Woman sequel, did you hear the news that it's been taken off of its November 2019 run date and being moved to, I believe it is June? Yes, that's right. It is going to be June of 2020. Your thoughts on it, my friend, being moved to June 2020. Now, again, a summer release as the original was. Is this something that's a good move, or did you think it would be better for them to be placed in a November 
winter-like setting so that they would go ahead and maybe avoid you know too much. But then again, thinking about it even more, they do avoid the next Star Wars. Yeah, that's true. I think it's safer to be in a summer spot, at least for a DC movie, just because look at look at the Justice League. You know, that was put out in a November spot, and that did not do so hot. And it wasn't just because it was competing with what, fan, uh, not Fantastic Beasts, right? No, that was last year. What was coming out with that? Was there, there was a Star Wars movie, right? Star Wars Last Jedi, not last year. Fantastic Beasts came out the year before that. Before, yeah, that's right, that's right. But no, I, I, and honestly, like anytime they say that we're delaying a DC movie, I just kind of like, eh, all right, whatever. And I know that isn't uh, the Flash got pushed back to 2020 or was it 2021? 2021, I believe, for Flashpoint. But who knows if that's even going to come out because this leads to a bigger issue because there's no Henry Cavill and I believe there's no Ben Affleck. So they're going forward without them. I mean, you've got Aquaman. You've eventually got a Wonder Woman coming back on the screen. You're talking about a Flashpoint. You've got all these Joker movies flying around. Suicide Squad 2 with James Gunn. You've got Birds of Prey. you got all this other stuff going on. But again, it comes down to what you have spoken about before as far as not focusing on the core group, starting with Superman and Batman. Do you know what the DC Universe is to me right now? Do you know when you you uh, you go to storage during Christmas and you you get your lights out and you're you're getting ready to plug it all in because it's going to be beautiful? You reach into the box and you pull out Christmas lights and you assume that they're just going to unravel easily and you're going to be able to hang them up and they're going to look amazing and then they end up just being a big wad of lights stuck in a knot and you it tries you you know you, you want to have the give it the benefit of the doubt and be able to unravel and still have hope but then. You sit there for like an hour, can untangle it. So finally you're like, forget it, man. You just throw it in the trash can. And there's one that doesn't work. That is the DC universe right now. This is Okay, this is how I would fix it. I would recast Superman, recast Batman, pretend that they were those actors all along, and I wouldn't focus on Batgirl, wouldn't focus on Birds of Prey. Suicide Squad 2, fine, can still happen. But I would iron out the core players in the DC universe and then I, before moving on to something smaller, something more obscure. But there's just all over the place, honestly. Like, we didn't need a Shazam movie. It looks it looks okay, but we we didn't need it, you know. And we never needed a Batgirl and we never needed all these other things that they're working on. And it's just, it's it's a mess. And they just need to show some loyalty to the characters that made dc comics what it is but they're not doing that it doesn't sound like they have any plans to do that they don't they don't know what they're doing because marvel is run by people who love comic books whereas dc is run by warner brother executives so they don't really know anything about these comic book properties and they don't have i i imagine their uh consult their staff of consultants is very small if, if they even exist at all and it's a mess man it's an absolute mess what about Aquaman, where does he lie with you? I'm excited to see Aquaman. I still have hope for that. But again, Aquaman and Wonder Woman aren't enough to carry the whole DC universe. Like, we need the Flashpoint movie. We need Batman. We need Superman. Cyborg's out. Like, I remember reading something where he just didn't want to do it anymore. So that's done for sure. And then what is there? We have Aquaman and then Wonder Woman, but they're not the Justice League. They're not the whole Justice League. 
I don't want substitutes in there because you need Superman. You have to have a Superman because he's the core of the DC universe. He always has been ever since Action Comics. I want to say one or two back in the day. Yeah, I know Batman didn't come in until Detective Comics number 22 or something like that. But yeah, Superman is the core of the DC universe and they need to give him his his due time on screen before they start moving on to these more obscure properties. And I'll throw in that Batman is the most popular DC entry of the modern era. Not leading into what you know we know from Superman over the many years he's been out. If you're talking about an overall hierarchy, maybe if you would lean towards Superman. But right now, since the what original Batman movie that came out in the late 80s, I would tell you right now I think that Batman is the more popular of the two entities or any of the DC entities when he's done correctly and he's portrayed correctly. I don't think he was portrayed badly by Ben Affleck. I just don't think Ben Affleck was given enough time to go ahead and be able to flesh out his characters, his motivation, and you're going off all the knowledge that you had from the previous Batman films basically to help support what Ben Affleck was doing in these films. And Ben Affleck wasn't given enough of his own original material to maybe help him stand out as a Batman character. You know what I would do? I would use the Flashpoint movie to tie the Nolan universe into this universe. Get Christian Bale back on board because he has expressed interest in revisiting Batman. Use the Flashpoint movie, merge these universes together, and then your problem is solved. And then you just really just have to recast Superman or find a way to entice Henry Cavill back into the role, which I think if Nolan was in charge of it in some way, he could be enticed back into that role. So there, there are... Or Tom Hardy. Tom Hardy, too. Like, there are ways to fix this, but they just they won't do it. And that's what's so frustrating because every comic book fan sits there and goes... You know, there's so many good story arcs that could fix all of this, but they won't do it because Warner Brothers wants to sell action figures. They want to sell T-shirts. They don't care about a good movie or or fixing. You're not going to make a billion dollars right away. You know, it took Marvel a long time to get the formula right and get on top of the game. DC is expecting just to make all that money and then some. They, I don't know, dude. I, I've, I'm frustrated about this whole thing, and it, they just... Oh, I don't even want to watch these DC movies anymore, but I still will go see Aquaman. Let's just say with Christian Bale right now, maybe giving him some time to get back into shape. Because if you've seen the Dick Cheney trailer, it looks very realistic like what Dick Cheney was back in the day. Just a little bit out of shape compared to what you would be asking for a Batman role. That's just, I'll just leave it at that. Have you seen the body transformations that Jared Leto has gone through over the years, though? absolutely insane he's been fat he's been starving he's been matthew mcconaughey in the dallas buyers club exactly exactly it, it's it's crazy what some of these people go through yeah they'll gain like 40 to 60 to 80 pounds and lose the same amount in order to do these roles and my credit to them for doing that but yes something needs to be done with the dc universe to get it straightened out is it a smart move for wonder woman 84 to be playing in june as opposed to november you know what? I'm going to give them props and say, in this case, it is a smart move because your film wouldn't only have so much love for it in November before the Star Wars Episode Nine wave and everybody who was mad at it and everybody who never said said they were never going to go see a, the last, you know, something after the Last Jedi again and they would never support a Star Wars and all that. 
I bet you by 2019, a lot of those people will actually come back into the theaters and watch episode nine if it's halfway decent. So I expect that to just overtake the holidays come 2019. Maybe it was a smart move for them to go ahead and move it to June of 2020. So hopefully this will set a sign that they are making more intelligent moves for the DC universe going forward. But we'll have to wait and see. What are your thoughts out there on Wonder Woman 84 getting getting pushed back to June of 2020? Is that disappointing you quite a bit? Or do you see what we're talking when it comes to them avoiding the potential hit that would happen with them competing with Star Wars Episode Nine? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, Pop Culture Cosmos, Humanica Media, and Game Source on Facebook and Twitter as well. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. If you're tired of sifting through flea markets for rare and unique games, we can help. Retro City Games in Henderson, Nevada, only five minutes from the Las Vegas Strip, has all your favorite gaming staples, classics, and a wide selection of rare games with new stuff always appearing on our shelves. Come in and chat with Nicole or Doug about your love of games and watch as they help you complete your collection or find your childhood favorite. And don't forget, Retro City Games loves trade-ins. So if you have any Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega, Xbox, PlayStation, or even PC games, come in and visit Retro City Games today. Welcome to the new metropolis of gaming, Retro City Games. Again, want to thank Ben Arnaud from the Smoking Hot Confessions podcast and, of course, our good friend, Rob McCallum in the middle of the Cosmic Crossfire, as always. Before we head on out, my friend, I just want to let you know there's a lot going on in the Star Trek universe, but to me there's some signs that they may be doing a little bit too much. Reminds me a lot of the 90s when they started having all these other side projects after Star Trek The Next Generation with all the movies and all the TV shows that they started to do. Not only do they have Discovery that's coming back for a second season in January, They've been showing different Star Trek shorts, including their latest one, Calypso, which takes place, I believe, a thousand years after the events that took place with Star Trek Discovery. Also, the return of Jean-Luc Picard, a.k.a. Patrick Stewart, to his own new series. And then on top of that, they just announced that's coming to CBS All Access, half-hour animated features They're coming from the writer from Rick and Morty. It's called Star Trek Lower Decks. CBS All Access looks like it's going to be Star Trek West because of all the different things that are coming to it, which to me is getting a little bit convoluted with a lot of stuff. Maybe some of it will work. Maybe some of it won't. That's getting a little bit unnerving for me because I see them focusing so much on all the CBS All Access stuff, but getting farther and farther away from trying to repair the damage that was done with Chris Pine and Chris Hemsworth walking on a potential Star Trek 4. So I ask you, my friend, before we head on out, with all the stuff going on within the Star Trek TV universe, do you think it's taking away from the Star Trek movie universe, and should that be their top priority? I think that CBS caught wind of the success of Star Trek, and they want to make as much money off of it as possible. You know, I, I defer to you on all things Star Trek, but from an objective point of view, from an observer's standpoint, I see CBS watching the success of Star Trek. And, and you know, with the, with modern tech, the this new Star Trek series actually kind of does look cinematic in its own right. So, you know, why wait on something that may or may not happen for a long time when they could just jump right into a TV production series, which is probably 
in my mind, a lot easier to make than a big budget film. You don't have to wait on actor schedules and all that. You can just kind of jump right in and make whatever content you want to expand that universe. And it already has enough fans, so why not? I see it happening where they might beat it to death, you know, like Star Wars or Marvel or whatever, where they have so many TV shows and cartoons and little side stories and stuff like that, where people are going to become exhausted. Or like DC, like you said, that also has movies, TV shows, animated features. The whole nine yards, it's all over the place with DC. Right, but Star Trek doesn't have the advantage of having the whole like multi-worlds existing side by side with each other story arcs. You know, I I guess they could do something like that if they wanted to, but what would be the point? I, I see them just kind of riding the Star Trek popularity, this newfound nostalgia and fandom until it kind of burns out. And you know, like I said, you're the fan, so I don't really know much about it beyond that. And it does kind of have this big mythology to live up to. So I. I don't know, man. I mean, there, there's plenty of stuff to go back to, but again, it's not very inviting for newer fans, you know? It isn't a very inviting for newer fans. They are placating to older fans, such as myself, which may not be the very best of things. Throwing these little side stories in there that they're doing right now, throwing an animated series in there. Mind you, it is from someone from one of the most successful animated TV shows that are out there. I will give you that. But I don't know if it's that's going to be, however good it is, a great fit for the Star Trek universe. It just seems kind of weird that they're actually going ahead and going through with that. Plus also, so many of these Star Trek shorts, with even some placing it a thousand years after what's going on in Discovery, so placing it on an even different timeline from what we're seeing now, making it even more confusing for someone that's new that wants to get into the Star Trek universe. So I don't know, man. It's just getting all over the place with Star Trek, just like it's all over the place with DC, just like it's all over the place with some of the other stuff that we're seeing out there. You know what? I'm not the guy behind it. It's all Paramount deal. It's all CBS All Access deal. If that's what you need to sell the service and try and compete with the Disney streaming services, the Netflixes, the Hulus, the DC streaming services, and what have you out there, then so be it, my friend. Because at the end of the day, if it provides good content, then that's all I can ask. Well, I feel too in a way, like, especially when it comes to Star Trek, they're betting hard on the generation of people who may be close or, you know, 10 years from now are going to be retiring. So they're banking hard on that group, hoping they're going to be subscribing to these streaming services. For, for example, my uncle retired. He's a huge Star Trek fan, huge sci-fi fan. So what he does all day now is he just sits at home watching like CBS All Access, watches Netflix, watches his Doctor Who and his his Star Trek shows. And I think he is the demographic. It's people like that that they're hoping will pay for these subscription services, which also leaves a danger that like when these people, you know, God forbid they croak at some point, (laughs) they're going to have a whole bunch of money invested in things that aren't going to benefit a younger generation at all. So which is why it's always safe at this point with older shows to reboot completely, you know, I'm going to give it a shot. I'm going to see what they have coming up for us in the Star Trek universe. And I'll keep giving you updates whether or not I like what they have to offer or if CBS All Access becomes way too much into Star Trek. Are you okay with the Star Trek shorts that are out there? The Star Trek animated series is coming up. Are you excited about John Luke Picard, a.k.a. Patrick Stewart, coming back? Are you worried that they're going to stop focusing on the movies at all? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, popculturecosmos, humanic media, and game source on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well.
Any last thoughts, my friend, on the way out? Got an awesome weekend ahead of us and another great show, our Halloween episode, coming to us on Monday. Dang, getting spooky in here. I know we've got our picks for the five greatest horror movies, in our opinion. Plus, also, Jason Todd Feinberg from Hunting Queen will have his as well. Looking forward to it, man. It'll be a good time. I'm, I'm curious to see how ours differ and why every movie on my list is going to be King Arthur. We just don't know. You don't know. You know, we'll have to see. Well, we'll have to see. Is Big Dog joining us as well? Uh, he said he was going to, but we'll, you know, again, <laughs> we'll have to see. <laughs> He'll be like an apparition, a ghost that it just maybe appears right in the middle of the broadcast. So for Josh Peterson, this is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the PCC multiverse. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great day. Did you know the ESO Network has a brand new Patreon? That's right. We're asking for your help and you could do it for as little as a dollar a month. Don't fret, all your favorite shows will still be available for free as always. But you can get exclusive podcasts and more not heard anywhere else but on our Patreon. To sign for the ESO Network, Patreon's easy. All you have to do is go to esopodcast.com and click on the link. With your support of the ESO Network, it's you who will reap the rewards. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. Tangentboundnetwork.com. Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos and stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos.